most artists have the same routine that they go through when they're in a creative endeavor is that you, uh, you, you do have those highs, but you also have those lows because when it isn't flowing or when you're working on a painting and you can't make it work and then those voices of doubt creep in just and you're just thinking like, oh my God, I've wasted my life. I'm really bad at this. And then you kind of turn a corner with that painting and it starts to make sense and then you're high, you know? But like, yeah, I mean, it's not like pleasure from the moment you start the moment you present your masterwork to the public <laughs> because because like yeah there's a lot of discomfort you were in the gallery today and I'm installing a show that I've been working on for literally years but like a month ago I knew there were things I had to complete and I I had a plan for it I knew how it was going to happen but I couldn't get off my couch I don't know if it was too emotional to start the work. And I think, you know, maybe that's where sometimes artists get a bad rap is because, say, if you're a factory worker, you have to stamp out these metal discs and you just go and you do it. You know, there's seven steps to what you do and you just do them. But like for an artist, there's a there's a process that is sometimes really uncomfortable and you, you think about quitting or you think about abandoning these ideas and but if you can sit with it and sit through it and come out victoriously, then, you know, there's a reward. Welcome back. This is Ariana Roche, and you're listening to Not a Hobby, where interview artists that balance a full-time job and an art career. This episode is all about Hyde Fontenot. I'm sure some of you have had the pleasure of meeting him. Um, He has been the wonderful director of Central Track, uh, which is an artist residency program in Dallas, for the last five years while keeping up his art career. I stopped by Conduit Gallery in Dallas the day before his show Cult Classic opened for a little preview. This interview followed later on in the night after some much-needed Vietnamese food. Well, where are you from? Louisiana, southwestern Louisiana, actually not far from Houston, between Lake Charles and Lafayette. So how did you end up in Dallas? I came up to Dallas to do an artist residency called Central Track, and then was recruited to be the director and have stayed for five years. Dallas is a really friendly place, despite what most people think. And whenever people visit here, I always take them around. You know, and we we go to Fort Worth to the museums, and we'll go gallery hopping around Dallas, and I'll take them for barbecue, and, you know, things that take them to the gay country western bar and watch cowboys dance together. People love that shit. And, but that's kind of like tourist things. But no matter what we do, I always hear people say, my God, it's so friendly here. It's so approachable, you know, and especially being in the art world or the art scene here. Mm-hmm. I think, say, people from New York are really, like, so surprised how accessible, you know, and the gallerists come out from behind the desk and they have a talk with you. And, yes. yeah, museum staff will visit with you, you know. Like, people are just, I mean, I don't know if it's because people are friendly here or happier here. Or maybe it's Southern Manners or... But yeah, Dallas is actually a friendly place. Houston is too. 
Yeah. Austin is too. Once you find a parking space. How did you get started in in the arts? Like, what made you become an artist? That's yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm not from a family of cultured people. I mean, culture is such a funny definition too, because actually, I'm from uh, Cajuns, and we were farmers for generations. Like, no one in my family did anything else, went anywhere else. We were we were Catholic, French. Cajuns. We, as kids, we called ourselves coonasses because Cajun wasn't like a popular term. It was a known term, but we called ourselves coonasses. And people don't understand that either. Like, and yeah, and I, what I'm saying is like a coon, a raccoon's butt is what we called ourselves. I mean, I guess, the, you know, different ethnic groups have different names for themselves. They don't necessarily think or derogatory. I grew up not knowing one person that could play an instrument. Well, actually, no, I, but no one in my family, no one I close to, you know, but nobody that painted, nobody that wrote, you know, right. nobody that was an intellectual. But I just had the impulse to draw since bef before I was verbal. My mother told me this. Mm -hmm. And I just always wanted to do it. Now, I wasn't good. I wasn't like a, a prodigy. You know, I was just prolific, and I, I had the desire to do it. And because I was from such a rural place, too, uh, like our little school, we didn't have art programs or music programs. So uh, I did not learn to draw until I went to college. And then, you know, the first semester, I was like, oh, my God, look at, I can draw, you know. I don't want to say nothing makes me happier than making art, but if I do not get to make art, I don't go to a good place emotionally. Whatever making art, whatever chemicals making art produce in a human, I need those chemicals. And, you know, I, I equate it to like a religious practice or a spiritual practice, meditative practice. Yeah, I just feel better when I get to manifest these visions. How is your family reacting to your career as an artist? Are they supportive? <laughs> Well, they don't try to actively stop me, <laughs> but that's, that's about it. You know, like they still live in Louisiana. My brothers are farmers. My, you know, my dad was a farmer. Like they don't understand that. Also, you know, for anyone listening that doesn't know me or hasn't figured this out, I'm a queer. <laughs> and I think that that, that figures in largely to my practice and my personality so as I was saying, like, you know, my family doesn't get me. So me being an artist is just one part of what they don't get. And, you know, they're not disparaging, but they don't understand it. They cannot relate, you know? Like we were talking earlier about, like, money and art. And, like, they would be the demographic that would say, why on earth are you spending all this time doing this thing that you're not getting paid for? Like, you know, they don't necessarily understand just loving something, having that desire, and it not generating your livelihood. Although, roundabout, it has generated my livelihood, because I've always worked in the arts or art-related fields. So, well, speaking of work... Yeah. Yeah. So you have a job. I have a job for another week, <laughs> which is funny, because... So I've had this job at a university... Uh, for over five years, and uh, it's it's been it's been fantastic. We've made such strides with the program, but my contract isn't being renewed, and so I'm moving on to the next thing. 
but and I'm not sure what that is yet. But um, you know, as an adult, I've I've done hundreds of jobs, and I don't mean like hundreds of jobs, and that I'm really bad at doing jobs, and I get fired all the time. <laughs> I've done I've done like a lot of creative positions that only last like a week at a time, a month at a time. Thank God this hasn't happened a lot. But you know, you meet people now and again, and they'll say things like. Oh, you're an artist? Oh, I guess that means you don't like to work. And you want to say, wait just a minute. That means like, I, yeah, I work a full-time job and then I work another full-time job. And, and then you, while you're watching TV or getting drunk, I'm making art. Could you describe your work for us? I, okay. I'll say the, the main body of work that I would be recognized for are drawings ink drawings of nudes. There's a, almost like a caricature quality where the proportions are distorted and sometimes the expressions are funny. And of course they're nude. And, and one of the reasons that I was motivated to do this work, and this work started, you know, like almost 20 years ago, was, well, a few reasons. But, but one is that uh, whenever I saw nude work or a lot of like erotica it was like um say there'd be a breast that was beautifully rendered and then uh as you travel up the body uh the woman's face is turned and you might see her in silhouette or you might just see her hair you know or her face is fudged and her hands aren't rendered but like that breast is perfect and i'm like this is like seeing a steak on a like a raw steak on a cutting board it's like why are they only interested in this one like sexual part of this person? This is a whole person. This isn't like, like this is creeping me out that like the object of desire is detached from the person and the personality. And so I was like, I want to do this work where like you have to contend with the person that these genitals or like other desire, desired body parts are attached to. And it's like, they're not just there for your consumption or your voyeurism because they're interacting with you. They're looking back. I was going to say, I don't just draw beautiful people, but honestly, yeah, I do. Because I feel like if you spend enough time with somebody really looking at them, having them give to you and you give back to them, you see their beauty. And it sounds corny, but it's like beauty is subjective. And, um, I mean, like, because what I'm into might not be what you're into, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, it's, it's about the circumstance and the conversation. And, like, is this person, do you only think this person is beautiful if you sexually desire them? A lot of my motivations for my work come back around to personal issues. You know, like, so I told you I'm a gay man. And, like, it is difficult to find people that aren't really damaged from their experience of being gay in the 21st or 20th or 21st century. Even if you now are like allowed to get married, you know, we have a really long history of not being allowed to be married. And so, right. you know, I, I had a partner of 20 years and I would go to the doctor and there'd be that form that says single, married, divorced. And I'd be like, None of these things apply to me. What answer will make you more comfortable? <laughs> you know? 
And so now that like marriage is legal, it's really hard for me to just go like, oh, let's celebrate and let's all get married because some bastard in Washington said we finally can. So no hard feelings, water under the bridge, let's go get married. It's like, no, no, like part of my character and my personality is developed over this long period of being a second-class citizen. Sometimes people will reflect something negative back to you from seeing a really sweet image mm -hmm. because it's made them uncomfortable in, in the way the work makes them feel. It's like, that's a nude. I'm, I'm excited. Does that mean I'm sexually excited? Or does that mean I'm spiritually excited? You know, and, and people understand consuming nudity through pornography, but they don't understand like more complex relationships to the nude. So, so if a lot of your work is dependent on finding someone to kind of sit for you. Yeah, yeah. So what is your studio? Like, do you have a standard no. studio practice? Well, on Mondays, I like to do, no. <laughs> no, it is so absolutely random because, like, my life has never been the same week in, week out, you know. So, no, I mean, it's kind of like when I have time mm -hmm. to paint, I paint. When I have time to draw, I draw. And, and, you know, and sometimes, like, leading up to making the literal work of art, like, there's a lot of preparatory time, like getting materials, photographing a model, editing those photographs, finding the ones you want to work from. So yeah, because I work from photos. You work yeah. from photos. Because w with a random schedule and having to work with a live model, like, you know, a lot of times, my, like, my most productive time in, in the studio is like midnight to 4 a.m. Like a lot of people wouldn't be available. And also <laughs> they would not, I would not want them to suffer through a four hour sitting, but like, but I can photograph them in an hour and a half. Um, do you think about selling work? I mean, they're such high, highly personal pieces. I, I do and I don't. I mean, when I was younger, and I had that, uh, what do you call it, like... Like aspiration. That, yeah, aspiration and that sort of scenario in my head about, like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to get this much money for it. And, uh, you know, it's like you, you get led by that expectation. But I've never felt better as when I stopped having expectations to sell work. It's like, I understand that my work has value, if somebody doesn't buy it, that doesn't mean it's bullshit. It just means maybe it was too powerful. You know, maybe people want work that challenges them less, asks less of them. You know, uh, I know, like my, I think, I think my work is captivating. I'm, I mean, in <laughs> with a degree of modesty here, like I, I feel. Like very good about what I do. I feel like like it's a strong direction. I feel like it's valid. I feel like it's needed. Mm -hmm. You know that I can. I, I maybe I have delusions that I can progress the human race with like you know like the work that I'm doing because it's so earnest. And it actually is. I mean, I'm kind of making fun of myself, but I'm I am very earnest in what I do. But, like, of course it would be great to make more money from your work because then that would, you know, you could pour more money back into your work. More money 
would be welcome to an artist, but I'm not going to say, if I don't sell this show out, the art world can go screw itself. You know, it's like, no, they can come and look. I hope they look. I hope they see. I hope it does something to them. It's not the ultimate for them to purchase it. Actually, a couple of uh, people came into the gallery today while I was installing, just started like free associating and telling me their feelings, but that like the, the exhibition or the installation was having an effect on them. Mm-hmm. And I could see that. And, and they were searching for the words, but like I could see they, they were definitely excited and excitable. And, and that to me, that's like, you know, when you tell a joke and somebody laughs, I mean, that's why I go see art, you know, because right. I want to be moved that way. So if I, if I can move someone, then it's like, wow, like we're engaging in this magical thing and we're being, we're being human. And, you know, like that's, I mean, that's pretty much the ultimate. That's the most I could ask for. So you've had the job for five years. Yeah, yeah. And now one more week. Yeah. You don't know what's next. I'm going to but... go live under a bridge and make <laughs> art. And gum. Uh, well, you know. Do you say make work out of gum? Gum, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Still find some gum yes. somewhere. Growing up on a farm, it, again, it's part of my, like, genetic makeup is that like I don't feel good about myself unless I'm accomplishing something. And so I'm not I'm not a member of cafe society. I I've I I've got to work. And so yeah, I mean the reality is I've got to work to support myself because that's the economic system we live in. But also like I like to work. Also doing creative work isn't the same as having a studio practice. It doesn't fulfill me exactly. I mean, it's it's good work, it's fun, but like the studio is completely different with its with its own drawbacks, but its own rewards. Like, say I've got a freelance job, and and I've got a painting I need to work on. Well, I'm thinking about both of them, but like I I keep having like this this nagging responsibility to the freelance job. Whereas I can kind of sacrifice my studio. It goes back to what I was talking about being a queer in a culture that doesn't readily accept queer people. It's like work is valid. Studio is questionable. I don't believe that, but on some level I've absorbed that and I repeat that back to myself because of the way I I treat my studio versus my work. So yeah, I would take, I would take full-time work again. Of course I will. Uh, But I'm hoping, you know, year by year to, to try to find a better balance and to get, to give more respect to my own studio practice. As I talk about like other people out there not respecting me, it's like, Hyde, when are you going to respect your own damn self, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. and, and give priority to your own, to your own work. To younger artists in the community, you know, one, one thing I will stress to them, and sometimes they just will not hear it, but, you know, w- when I see that they have that hard and fast fantasy of like, I'm going to be the next big name, and when is it going to be my turn, and you know, 
I've been out of college for 18 months and I don't have a gallery, that kind of thing. It's like, well, a couple of things. Like, yeah, of course, it'll be great when you have a gallery, but having a gallery is not going to solve all your problems. And it's not going to mean that you get a living wage. You know, so get, get over that fantasy right now. And also, like, a gallery is not going to take care of everything like your mommy. Like, you're an adult now, and, like, stop looking for mommy. Like, take care of yourself. And, and be a good partner to your gallery. Don't just think about what they're doing for you. Try to do some stuff for them because they're working hard, you know. So maybe, like, try to liberate yourself from that expectation that you're going to start making money from your art. You don't want to be in an angry, resentful mode because nobody's giving you what you, you fantasized you deserve for your art. Like, I, I tell people, it's like, if you can keep making art, you win. You know, like, like, because so many people drop out of it. And I didn't keep making art for over 30 years because it's been so profitable and I get to go to the most fabulous parties and like I get free groceries and like <laughs> my mom loves my art. No, like none of those things are true. You know, my mom doesn't understand my art. And you don't get free groceries. I don't get free groceries <laughs> and I'm not going to parties all the time. Sometimes I'm like Sometimes sitting they in are my fabulous. Right, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> if you hear, tell me. But yeah, you keep making art because that feeds you in a way that nothing else does. Like somebody asked me during a job interview, like, how do you find balance? How do you find time for your artwork? And I was like, well, my artwork is important to me. And so I find time for it. It's not easy. I'm always in conflict. I'm always frustrated that I have to stop what I'm doing in the studio to go make money. But that's reality, that's life. Thank you for listening to episode three of Not a Hobby with Hyde Fontenot. His exhibition Cult Classic is still on view at Conduit Gallery in Dallas through November 26. You can see more and read more about Hyde's work on our website at glasstire.com. That's glass tire like a tire made out of glass.com stay tuned episode four with shannon duncan is coming soon